Welcome, everyone, to the Comedy Sports Podcast, starring your host, Christine Rolo Capriolo, and now, the man who's a myth in his own mind, Dick Tuna Chutnow! Welcome to our first podcast. Dick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Who else would we have for our first podcast? Hmm... No one. No one, just you. Just me. So, Dick, tell me, where were you born and raised? Uh, Born in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. Went to Keith Avenue School. Great school? Yeah, great school. Okay. Well, kindergarten. Got it. And then moved to Shorewood. I thought it was amazing. There was all these trees because I lived on Atkinson Avenue where there were no trees. And I went to Atwater and then went to Shorewood High School. Okay. And then went to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee for a semester. And then I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. What did you study at Milwaukee? Communications. You're so good at it. Communications. Yeah? Yeah, communications, yes. you graduated from Madison? Yes. With a degree in communications? Yes. That's fascinating. A BS. A BS in communications. Communications, right. So what did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you want to do when you were I wanted to be Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. He was hysterical. Yeah? Yeah. So you wanted to entertain? You don't, I didn't think about entertaining anybody except my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think of getting up in front of people and doing it. But he was hysterical. And I did imitations of him for the family. Okay. And uh, it was fun to make people laugh. Were you the class clown? Yeah. Um, but in grade school, I was pretty serious. Seriously? Uh, yeah. I was a pretty serious kid okay. in grade school. And I remember the first time I made people laugh uh, in Mr. Weaver's class. Sarge, but don't call him Sarge. He'll <laughs> knock your heads together. Okay. And he, he did that. Uh, he said something, and I said something, and the class laughed. It was a real nice laugh. It was like, ah, I got Mr. Weaver, Sarge. Uh, it was a nice, it felt really good. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Uh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I How was old were you? Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah. So that started it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah? Yeah. Then why communications at UW? What else was I going to do? I don't know. I couldn't add. No? I couldn't, yeah, I didn't, didn't know math. Uh, there was nothing else I really wanted to do. My family had a scrap iron business. I didn't want to do that. So just got a general communications. Then my dad said, you know, you need something to fall back on. So I fell back and took a education degree. Oh. Yeah. And then did you teach? Yeah. Yeah, they send you out. The first school I went to was J.I. Case. Where's that? Racine. You t- okay. Like student teaching or you taught there? Student teaching. And then you taught in L.A., I remember. Yeah, I did. You have the best story. I'm a teacher, too. It's, I know that. Yes. I'm an art teacher. Now everybody does. Everybody knows. Yeah. You have the best story of when you were being evaluated. Yeah. Tell me about that. I was teaching at uh, Racine, J.K.'s. So I knew she was coming in to evaluate. So I told my students, there's about 30 students in class, that I'm going to ask you questions about the lesson. If you know the answer, raise your right hand. (laughs) If you don't know the answer, raise your left hand. And she came in and I started the lesson. (laughs) 
and would ask questions and every single kid's hand just shot up <laughs> for every single question. And, uh, you know, they always knew the answers right. because I knew the kids who were going to know the answers. Sure. And I got an evaluation. It was the most incredible thing she's ever seen. <laughs> she said, I've never seen anything like it. And I got an A. Way to go. Yeah. I think of that story every time I get evaluated. And I've been teaching, I think, 21 years now. Every time I think of that story. I like te- I really like teaching in LA, I became a substitute teacher, though, okay. because I, I I didn't like permanent. I was teaching at junior high, and yeah. I thought, you know, it's it's hard. Teaching is really hard. Well, in middle school grades, it's yeah. super hard. So I became a substitute teacher, yeah, and became a really good substitute teacher because I would, when the kids came into the classroom, I'd meet them at the door and I'd get their names. And yeah. you know, when you when you know their names. They go, uh oh, mm-hmm. I can't screw up. I right. can't screw around. So uh, I would get their names, and if it was a huge class and there was no lesson plan, I would write on the board that I was uh, Richard Chudnow, Mr. Mm-hmm. Chudnow from the school board. So from I was the from the school board. Yeah. And that they were having a citywide spelling test. <laughs> and the kids would be in there going, so what, and then no one told me we're having a spelling test. What, what, I don't want, I'm not going to take a spelling test. And they'd sit, you know, the kid, the bad kids would sit in the back, fold their arms. Right. And uh, I'd say, take out a sheet of paper. And they'd go, home, they'd take out a sheet of paper. And so they, everybody took out a piece of paper. I said, number from one to a hundred. <laughs> That took 10 minutes. Right. <laughs> so, because that's what you're looking to do. You, Waste you, you gotta, time. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. As a sub? Yeah, as a sub. Yeah. And uh, I'd say, okay, I'm going to say the word <laughs> once. I'm going to use it in a sentence, and then I'll say it one more time. There's no going back, because if you don't say that, then at the end of the test, I go, what was number two? Right. So there's no going back. I say, everybody ready? The first word is uh. I saw a dog. Uh. The second word is big. I saw a big dog. Then it just, every word was like, and then it was D's dog, you know. It, it the easiest words you easiest can imagine. Words, you didn't get them more difficult. Think of it. No, no. The easiest words I could possibly think. Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Zoo is the word. And it, but after it started, and these kids in the back heard the words, they were like, give me paper. Give me paper. Good, you got some paper? Give me a pencil. Okay. I'm going to pass this test. <laughs> and kids. But the thing was, some kids got A's, the first A they've ever had in school. Oh, so they remember you. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they remember that, and I re, and I remember them. So, I, you know, sometimes you should do a podcast on substitute teachers. Oh my god, there are some great stories. Oh yeah, just teaching in general. Yeah, I could fill yeah. multiple podcasts yeah. with bonkers stories. But you don't hear many of them. No, you don't, you don't hear that. No, I mean around my fellow teacher friends. But right, yeah, but you're you right. don't Outside hear podcasts that? about that. No, no. That would that would be very entertaining. Maybe we should yeah. scrap this. Well, when you do podcasts, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people expect the podcast to be about entertainment mm-hmm. and entertaining things. Okay. What do you <laughs> want to do now? Well, how about other than teaching? Did yeah. you have other jobs? 
Or you went from teaching right to L.A.? No, in high school I had a job. I was at uh, 31 Flavors. <gasps> What's your and, favorite flavor? Uh, strawberry. Really? And I remember I worked there a week, and it was Saturday night, and we were closing up, and the boss said, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I said, tomorrow's Sunday. He said, yeah. So said, the Packers play tomorrow. <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, I, I can't work on Packers Sunday. <laughs> He said, okay, you're fired. <laughs> that so was it? That lasted a week. Good job. And then I worked at a, I worked at a computer, uh, I forget the name of the company, but they hired me to do their computer setup. Yeah. And I couldn't add or subtract. And But my uncle, who is in real, my family was in real estate, okay. he got me the job because the the. It was an air conditioning company, and my family built homes, and they used their air conditioners, so he just, he had to hire me. Okay. And never figured it out. This was when the computer was the size of a room. Right. And he tried to uh, tried to program it. I never could. <laughs> <laughs> so and and that was, you know, that was pretty much it. <laughs> I didn't work a lot. Well, what made you move out to L.A.? Did you get a teaching job out there? Uh, yeah. Uh, they give you. They used to give you a list of schools all over the country. Okay. And my my choices were somewhere warm. Right. So either Florida or L.A. And I okay. found a school that was close to L.A. but outside of L.A. And went there and interviewed and got the job. Okay. I started teaching at Eva D. Edwards Junior High School. Now is this after Kentucky Fried Theater at UW Madison? Um, no, no, no. This I, I moved out to LA in 1967. Okay. And that's where I learned improv. That's where I started my love for improv. You took uh, a class out there? Uh, some guy, one of my friends said, hey, you're funny. You should take an improv class. I didn't know what improv was. And, you know, I thought it was jazz. <laughs> okay. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, there, were, there weren't many improv clubs yeah. at that time. So I took a class and was horrible at it because I, I was used to doing Jerry Lewis shtick. Okay. That kind of stuff. And it was funny. And I was funny, but the instructor, kept, uh, Sid Grossfeld was his name. Okay. He was a great teacher. He would yell shtick. So he'd I, call I, you I, on I, it. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I'd be up and I'd do something and shtick. And I'm like, damn it, it's funny stuff. That's funny. It's shtick. And I got really angry. Really? And, uh, yeah, because he was being mean to me. Oh. Uh, and, and I remember sitting down. Okay, this is a good story. <laughs> I, I remember sitting down in the audience and being really angry. Yeah. And he got up to show, you know, we were doing scenes, and he got up to show how the scene you know, could work. Right. And I remember sitting there with my arms folded, going, you, you, you just, you know, yeah, you, I hope it, you know, you're gonna, you're not gonna. And he stops <laughs> the scene, looks out at the audience, looks out at the class, said, someone's trying to screw me up. He didn't say screw, but yeah, well, sure. someone's trying to screw me up out there. And I sunk down in my chair because <laughs> <laughs> it was me. Now, fast forward, I don't know how many years later, mm -hmm. you know, ten years later or something. After I started Kentucky uh, comedy sports, yeah, and uh, someone I won't, you know, mention names, but someone's doing a scene, yeah, and I said, I had to yell stop because it just wasn't working. And right, I said stop, and I went up and was going to do this, you know, continue the scene, and I couldn't do it. 
I couldn't just, I couldn't get into the scene. And I stopped and looked out in the audience and I saw the person that I took off the right. stage sitting there with her arms folded, just staring at me, you know, staring just daggers. Pissed. And it was karma. It was karma. <laughs> Came back to bite the you most in the butt. And I learned about communication that everything you do on stage is communicated with the audience. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So how did you come back then from LA? Well, wait, before we get to comedy sports, yeah. I want to hear more about Kentucky Fried Theater at UW okay, Madison. So, uh I went I, I got tired of LA. Okay. The the you know, weather never changed and I was I missed my family, so I tried to get a job at the University of Wisconsin Madison. Okay. Knew uh the governor from one of classes I took, I can't remember his name. Um, wore a red vest and I uh, wrote them a letter and they hired me to teach a class in um, TV production okay As, how did you get that your experience being a substitute I was in that teacher? program I was, no I was in that program okay. you know that's what I was in so yeah. he knew me from that okay and I have a terrific personality you do Dick Chud now you do and they hired me and I started to teach that well then one day I was driving in Milwaukee and someone pulls up next to me and it's Jimmy Abrams. Okay. And I see Jimmy and I roll down the window. And he said, hey, the Zuckers are uh, thinking of doing this TV show. And uh, based on um, an another show that was out uh, called Groove Tube okay. uh, by Ken Shapiro. And they wanted to do a, a, this Groove Tube show. Do you want to come and meet with them? Now, I had seen them in the school. So I remember them from that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd, so I, it's not like I didn't know them at all. And we got together and we started to talk about what they wanted to do. And they wanted to do Groove Tube, which was basically a TV show. Okay. And it went around the country in um, bars and stuff. And you sat on pillows and you watched the funniest stuff I've ever seen. It was hysterical. Yeah. It really was good. Chevy Chase was in it. That's was it improv? It, no. No. All set. Okay. All set stuff. But okay. if you haven't looked, if you haven't heard of it or seen it, it'd be worth looking up. Groove, groove tube. Groove, groove tube. Yeah. And I had improv experience at that time because I picked it up in LA. Sure. And I said, well, that's a good idea, but someone's done it already. Yeah. Why don't we add live stuff? To it. Why okay. don't we do you know TV and live mm -hmm. and uh, throw in an improv you know, bit yeah. or game, and then Jerry uh, Zucker, who was you know a film maven, uh, said, "Yeah, we could do film too." So we mm -hmm. did the three things: we did live, TV, and film in the show, and just wrote bits and made them short. Make sure that made sure there were like. 30 seconds, a minute, two right. minutes. The courtroom scene was the longest one. That was in Kentucky Fried Theater okay. movie. Movie, yeah. And that was the longest one. Um, but it was just bam, 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 bam. And that's where, uh, what's the guy named, who started Saturday Night Live? Lauren Michaels. That's when he saw it and when we brought it back to L.A. Yeah. Uh, that's <clears throat> a different story. Uh, the short bits. Instead of this long, agonizing thing. But anyway, we started it in Madison and it was very successful. Okay. And they, Zuckers wanted to bring it to Milwaukee. And I said, you can bring it to Milwaukee, but I'm bringing it to L.A. And 
And we L.A., no, we're not ready to do you know big time like that. But I had lived in L.A., sure. so I knew this would go over well there. And David Zucker agreed to go with me. And if we found a space, okay. and we found uh, a space and what else? Something, parking with the parking lot. Uh, he would, you know, we would come back and we would move to L.A. We found a space because his uncle worked at a hospital that had a rehab center okay. that they were going to tear down. And he said, well... If you go in there and you fix it up and you make it, you know, code worthy. Sure. You can do it there. <laughs> it's this huge building with two rooms the size of theaters where we could have used, you know, two theaters. And we, we just cleaned it out and fixed it up and yeah. passed the codes and started on Pico Boulevard next to 20th Century Fox. It couldn't have been a better location. It was, Pico Boulevard's a major thoroughfare okay. into town. So we had this huge Kentucky You're fried, next to 20th Century. Nest, yeah, right next to 20th Century Fox. Got a parking lot. It stood alone. It was, you know, street, uh, what do you call it? It okay. faced the street. Everybody like, saw it. Okay, yeah. Everybody saw it as they drove into town on uh, Pico. And we started shows there 1971 or two. I can't remember exactly when. But it was an, I remember sitting in um, like a Denny's, mm -hmm. but it was it was called something else. Sure. And we, it was three o'clock in the morning and we were waiting for the New York, uh, Los Angeles Times to come up, out. And the truck came by and threw it on the sideway, sidewalk and we ran out there and picked up a Times and there was this great review. Of Kentucky I mean, Fried it, Theater. Of Kentucky Fried Theater. It was this incredible, this, you got to see this kind of review. Yeah. And from then on, we were like sold out. That's incredible. <laughs> it was, it was great. It, so, was, it was really fun. Then the rumor you alluded to earlier is true, that Lorne Michaels had witnessed one of these shows and that yeah. started his idea for SNL? Right. I don't know if that started his idea, but he was, you know, if he was thinking of something with Ebersol, uh, he got the idea that uh, these short, uh, you know, wacky... Yeah, um, quick scenes. Quick boom, scenes, boom, boom, boom. yeah, would work well in a TV format. In a TV format. Mm -hmm. And did you know he was there? Did you know him? No, no. This is long before that. Right. Before he was known. Before he was known. Yeah, before he was anybody. How then do you get back to Milwaukee and begin comedy sports? I was seeing a therapist. Okay. And I was thinking about moving back, but I didn't, you know, I'd, I'd go into a session, I'd say, I don't know, you know, I'd like, I think I should move back, but then I'd feel like a failure, but, you know, I could stick around and get, you know, some more work doing scripts or, or whatever, and, you know, I just was going back and forth, and she's a dick. <laughs> I said, yeah. She said, just make a decision and then make it the right decision. <laughs> and for some reason, that just hit home. I said, Yeah. That makes sense. And that that was the decision. That was it. I'm going and home to Milwaukee. Going home. So happy to get back. Yes? L.A. is pretty toxic. That's what it's I've heard. toxic place. That's what I've heard. It, uh, 
everybody's friends, everybody loves everybody, and they, if they can stab you in the back, they will to get a job. Everybody's writing a script. <laughs> and everybody's funny, trying to be there. an actor. I was like, you know, you go to a gas station and you talk to the attendant, yeah, I, I got a script in development at, at Metro. Sure. And you go, oh, so you threw something over the fence. <laughs> you, know, okay. you got a script and threw it over the fence, and now it's in development. And, uh, <laughs> So yeah, it, it's it's a. I had some good friends that yeah. I'm still friends with. Okay. But it was it was tough. It wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be. So you don't look back and regret that break. Oh You're glad no! You oh came god, home. are you kidding? So then, tell me how comedy sports came to be. You're co-creator of that. Who's the other co? And tell me about it. Well, the people who were my in the first group. I okay. had an improv. I came back, right? Moved back, worked at the Iron Yard, family business, mm-hmm. which I hated. I knew I had to get out of there, so I started an improv um, class. I just put something in the paper: improv class, free, and started it at the JCC. Okay. And in that class was Judy Berkowitz. And she, I was in a play with her when I came back, after I came back. And I, this is a complicated story. <laughs> Give it Are to me. sure you want to hear it? <laughs> I'll take okay. it. Okay, all right. Uh, Chris Keen. Chris Keen. Who, who was one of the funniest guys I've ever met, was in Kentucky Fried, wait, no, wait. Well, yeah, in Kentucky Fried Theater okay. with me. Yes? Yeah. And when we moved out to L.A., he didn't move with us. Okay, he stayed here. Because he was married. Oh, ah, and his wife see? said... Those ladies. Either it's either me or them. Yeah. So he didn't move out. Okay. His father died, and they're Milwaukee people. Mm-hmm. He was living in Seattle okay. at the time. Came in for the wake Mm-hmm. And the wake was held at Colt's restaurant. That was your family's restaurant. No, no, Colt's restaurant. Colt's was is just, where comedy sports. Just, I didn't be. even know Colt's existed okay. at that time. Okay. But the wake was held there, and I went to the wake. Mm-hmm. And Chris stayed a couple more days, and he did a workshop with my group. Okay. But. Because he knew some other people in Milwaukee, he invited them to this workshop. John Bank, John Bank. being one. Yeah. Karen Kohlberg being another. I think John Bank knew uh, Bob Orvis. So Bob Orvis came to this workshop. Rosie Friedman wasn't there. Uh, oh, no, maybe she was. Um, John Light was there. Nancy Garrett Nash was there at this workshop. And that turned out to be the beginning group. We He taught us some games that I have never seen before, theater sports games. He was in theater sports in, in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Taught a, one game, the game that he taught us that stood out was, what are you doing? I was going to guess, what are you doing? And that was not played by theater sports. That was just an exercise. That was oh. not something. They they were very concerned about, teen, about scene work. Uh-huh. And... Improv. Yeah. That was their main concern. A good improv. And they were judged on how good their improv was. Okay. So Chris invited me out to Seattle to see a show. Theater sports. Theater sports. Okay. Now this is when I, after I had this group of people, Bob and Karen and John and everything, and we were practicing improv, just improv mm-hmm. at uh, the JCC. 
went out to Seattle, saw a show. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Vancouver and saw a show there, Vancouver Theater Sports. Okay. Right? And it was a fun show. It was funny. Yeah. They were good improvisers, but the scenes would go on forever. And they did the standard theater where they would bring their arm down and then the blackout would come. Okay. You know, and so that really bothered me. Uh, they, the first half of the show was a demonstration of improv. It oh. wasn't a match. Oh, okay. And they had a uh, they had an MC in a tux, <laughs> who would say this game is this or this game is that, and then they would play the game. And then the second half they would come back and they'd do a competition where they had judges, who would judge on the improv, and, and like I said, it was good improv. They didn't they weren't very respectful of the audience, and it was a very dirty show. Okay. And I'm not a prude. Maybe I am. Am I a prude? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a little bit. Uh, we'll ask your first. But I, and that that kind of that kind of <laughs> bothered me because it's easy humor mm-hmm. and um, it's easy to go blue. Yeah, and drugs. Yeah. Uh, that that bothered me a little bit about the show. Um, it just just bothered me. Mm-hmm. So after the show was over, they voted on who the best improviser was. And there was this kid in the show. He's a little guy. Yeah. He's the funniest guy in the sh- I thought in the show. And yeah. he didn't win best improviser. Okay. And it just bummed everybody out. The, like the, the crowd. You just felt the crowd go, oh. oh. Yeah. And his teammates gathered around him and oh, comforted no. him. And it was just the worst ending for a show <laughs> I could possibly imagine. <laughs> it just a very left low feeling note. like, oh yeah, I hate this show. <laughs> Uh, this is dumb. And that that taught me that you don't do that. Yeah. It's a team. It's a teamwork. Yeah. And you don't do that. So on the way back on the airplane. From I Seattle. Was from Seattle. I was thinking, what can, what can I do with this? And it, at the time, the uh, Packers were playing that day in the stewardess, the the flight attendant was a stewardess, sure. announced the score of the game. And everyone, yeah, yeah cheered. And it just is one of those... Uh, serendipitous moments where you go, oh, that's it. Sport. Make it a sport. Everybody loves sports. You came up with that on a plane back from Seattle. And then the rest of the plane trip, I just made lists of all the sports terms. Halftime. A referee instead of a, a... a MC, sure. halftime set of intermission. Uh, instead of a theater, it's an arena, and, and it's, there's uh, penalties. You know, yeah. they had one penalty. They had waffling and brown. They had a brown bag fall. They did. Okay. Didn't use it very liberally. Because you said they were more dirty. Yeah, and they they should have used it more, but they yeah. they didn't. And they used it for the players, not the audience. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I just thought of that. I had that was it. That was yeah. what. It, that's what I thought would work in Milwaukee. And okay. I came back to Milwaukee and I told the players what we were going to do. Uh, and they, you know they didn't know any better. They, they weren't very bright. <laughs> and no, they they just you know they did they didn't get the concept yet. You know we had to just actually do it. Um, then we just started working on. That concept of the two teams and halftime and referee and all that stuff. And it's, 
I gave them the disc. I said, okay, we're going to start, uh, we're going to do our first show September. This was 1984, 1983. So we did the first show September uh, 83. And, at, <clears throat> and they, at yeah, the they GCC? said, oh, we can't, we're not going to be ready. We're not going to be ready. No, uh, we did the first show at the 8th note at UWM. Okay. Because I went in and said, hey, you got a room. Can we do a show here? And they said, <laughs> sure. sure, sure. But then I was looking around for a permanent space, and I remembered the room at the wake at Colts. At Colts. I went back to Colts, and Henry Colt was there. And I said, hey, do you think we could do a show in this back room? And he said, sure. Just Were they like using that. it? Or just they for used wakes? It for, uh, actually, they had used it for melodramas okay. way back in the 50s. And... They said, he said, yeah, sure. And that was it. And we said, we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll do a show. We'll take the ticket prices and you can take the uh, the beer and wine and mm-hmm. beverage and food. And it seemed like a good idea to him. Okay. And that's where we started. And that's where you started. And you yeah. stayed for how many years? I think we stayed eight? for nine, nine eight, eight or nine years. And we had the small room and he moved us up to the bigger room. Okay. And then charge us rent. But it was an incredible deal. When you started shows, was it just once a month, once a week? Do you remember? We, we started on a Friday. and No, we started on a Saturday. first show was on a Saturday. It was just family and friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had never seen anything like that. Yeah. And so they told people about it. And the next show, uh, the weekend, uh, that weekend, next weekend, Friday and Saturday, the next weekend was a Friday and Saturday show. And we just pulled people in from the street. No one knew, no advertising whatsoever. No one knew we were doing this show except the relatives who brought some people back. So we just uh, started doing the shows and people started coming and bringing other people back. We had a coupon in the program. Okay. And then one day NBC showed up. The local affiliate showed up with cameras. Someone had told them about the show. Didn't know they were coming. Like the local news? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They just showed up and started filming. I said, hey, you can't film here. No, I didn't say that. Don't brother me. You looked at me like, are you insane? So after that aired, we were pretty much sold out for quite a while. Really? Yeah. Now, how did where'd you come up with Sparklers and Dendrites, the team names? It was Karen Kohlberg, I okay. think. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we are. Well, Sparklers, East Side Sparklers and West Side Dendrites was the original name. I don't know how that came up. The first thing someone said. Was it? Was always it. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Now, how did you continue to get more people involved? Not not the audience. How did you start to get more players involved? We'd announce a workshop. Oh, okay. We say there's a workshop. We we never did auditions. Oh no, the first uh, we did one audition, and that's how we got Brian Green. Two guy, <laughs> two guys showed up. Yeah, Brian Green and another guy. The other and guy ne- didn't make it. Neither one could do improv, but Brian Green was just fascinating to watch. Sure, he was just funny <laughs> and charming. You know, had that stage presence. So he was the first one that came in after the original group. How far was that? Like a year later. No, 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 just months. And then Brian was in. Brian was in. Yeah. yeah. And Rosie had already been there. Rosie was there, John Light, Nancy, Bob, John, did I say John Light? 
yeah. Uh, Marvin, Marvin Berkowitz and Judy Berkowitz. Oh, that's great. Then how did it go from Milwaukee to other cities and now countries? I know I think Madison was next, right? Yeah. Yeah. What happened where well, there was some guy was sitting in the, the theater and he said, hey, <laughs> he said, hey, <laughs> Harold, hey. Harold Serp was his name. He's a large fellow <laughs> who was eating food and didn't take a break and said, hey, this is interesting. Uh, you think you'd want to do this in Madison? I got a hotel. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a creeper. <laughs> and so I said, sure, yeah, we'd love to do that. <laughs> I'll go to your hotel with so you, sir. You seem like a pretty reputable guy. <laughs> so he, he wanted a hotel um, on Washington Boulevard. Okay. Midway, I think it was called. And we went in there, and I, well, Karen Kohlberg and I went for eight weeks. We drove to Madison in the weekends to train people. And how'd you find those people? Well, that's an interesting story. <laughs> I put notices up in the theater department. I had, I, had no, I had known the theater instructor, sure. and I asked him if I could do it. He said, sure. Mm-hmm. And it was, again, an improv workshop, not auditions. Right. And from that audition, I got uh, Jeff Kramer, yeah, Mike Rock, Mike Rock, Pat Reardon, okay, Joe Thompson, Pat Short, Pat Short, Joe Thompson wasn't there at that, not that, not yet. Not that night, not, okay. But we taught them these games, and they played them so much better than we did. <laughs> it was amazing. Both Karen and I thought this. We, we need them to move to Milwaukee. Right, and do the shows in Milwaukee. But Milwaukee. they started at the hotel uh, with inviting friends and uh-huh. family, and it was pretty crowded. Well, after that show, it, you couldn't get in. Really? You could not get in the, th- in, in the space. And it was huge. It was a hotel banquet room. Right. And so they were sold out for the run of eight. But the guy, the guy wasn't selling food because he had a buffet, and this was his idea. This would sell a lot of buffets. The big guy? It's like, it like a buffet from lunch that was just kept over. And it was like the broccoli was almost liquid in the little pan. It was a horrible. Uh, so oh, nobody was eating. No one but was But they eating. were laughing. They were laughing, but they, were la- they don't drink when they're laughing. Right. And that was a problem with owners. We went to a bar, to f- a great place to do a show, and we did a great show. It was hysterical. Yeah. And afterwards, we went up to the guy, and he said, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. We thought, great, we get this space great. to do the show. He said, but I can't use you here because I watched people, and they weren't drinking. Because they're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't watch you. Yeah. No, so we couldn't do it there. We found spaces along the way, you know. Well, you know, when I started playing professionally in Madison, because I did high school league in Milwaukee, yeah. 91 to 93, yeah, and I played in Madison. At that point, it was... Why did you go to Madison? For school. Oh, you were in Madison? I went, yeah, okay. I went to... I studied art education at UW-Madison, and I, well, I left Milwaukee high school leagues, and I knew you. Yeah. You must have told me, check out comedy sports in Madison. Yes. And... I remember taking workshops in Madison and then started playing 
I had been in workshops for a while, and I remember Alex Shapiro would drive me to workshops. You know Alex, right, Shap? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, and every time he'd drive me to workshops, he was the worst driver. He'd drive down the wrong way on a one-way street. I can't believe uh-huh. I'm alive to tell you this. And I was getting mad because they kept saying we would start playing professional shows, me and Matt Finale, and kept saying we'd play shows, and just we kept being workshoppers and weren't playing us, weren't playing us, and I was pissed and I showed up, and I think I'd been complaining to Alex the whole ride there. And I want to say at this point it was uh, Rocky Rococo's on the west side. Yes. Because when I was doing workshops, it was like the upstairs downstairs and sure. Pizza Hut on State Street. Right. Um, but we got there, and I was so mad. I'm like, they're never going to play me. They're just going to keep me in workshops. <laughs> and this was like a year in. I mean, Jesus, I was barely there. And then I look at the lineups, and there's Christine Rolo Capriolo in the lineups. And I felt like such an idiot because they're all laughing at me because I was complaining so much. And this was my first show then, and I didn't even know I was going to play my first show. And it was a hoot. Well, Christine, that's a fascinating story, but this is about me. (laughs) My point was (laughs) that they had been in multiple venues in Madison. Yes, yeah. Multiple places. Yeah, and then what happened was... uh, Without you even asking, another guy came in. Yeah. And he he was sitting at a table, and someone said, "This guy wants to talk to you." Yeah. And he was a, this guy was a chain smoker. I've never seen anybody smoke like that. <laughs> at one point, I think he had two cigarettes in his mouth <laughs> at a time. Uh, and he said, "I I would like to take this. My wife and I have a syndicated column in the newspaper, and we have some cash, and we'd like to start this all over the country." Comedy sports. Yeah. Okay. All the country. So I said, yeah. Sure. I don't know you, but yeah. <laughs> You're so trusting. That's great. <laughs> and uh, we sat down and we talked. His name was Maureen. Her, her name was, his wife's name was Maureen. His name was Pat. And they, their idea was to do a company store. Okay. Company store means you hire the people, you hire the talent, you hire all these people. They send the money to you, and then you pay them. And it was a hugely complex thing because there's different tax laws mm-hmm. in each different state. And the way they got the managers was to put an ad in the USA Today. Okay. So someone would call and say, hey, I saw this ad. I saw this ad, and it really looks interesting. I'd like to start it. Uh, comedy sports. And they'd say, okay, well, let's let's." talk about it and they talk about it. if they sounded sane <laughs> they'd go okay and some had to come in and interview and but it really didn't matter right yeah so we started in columbus that's really in, how you got comedy sports in other cities yes just a random ad in the usa today yes <laughs> and i think that's was kansas city okay uh columbus ohio um, not Dallas, because I sent, uh, well, yeah, yeah, that from that I sent or asked Diana Delaney if she would go down to Houston. She lived there mm-hmm. and start one there. Jeff Kramer in San Jose. Right. Pat Walsh in Washington, D.C. And I think that was the, the, the main one. So they started theirs. In those cities, right? From this original thing, well, it was a mess because every I, you know, just send us some money. You know how you know based on your audience size. Mm-hmm. 
So who's going to go travel to these? I, I would go. And they knew I was coming, so maybe they invited all their friends, and the audience is full, and so we never knew right. what was really happening. And then we changed it to a fee per show. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. You still didn't know how many shows they were oh. doing. <laughs> yeah, so it, it just wasn't working for the Reardons. Yeah. And so I bought them out. Okay. And changed things up. Where no, I think I changed it to a per show thing, because it was too complicated getting money for the number of people who the were audience, So yeah. I changed it to a, a per show thing, and wrote a newsletter and wrote a manual, uh, which I had started and written before, and that's what we would send to them. But I updated the manual for yeah. the uh, new cities, and that worked fairly well. You know, people managed to go on. Uh, I, I don't know how to write. I can't. I can write words and stuff, and I know some. I know oh, oh, many, many words as much as many as our president almost. <laughs> That's why and, that's alive. <laughs> and uh, but I can't write. I can't put together a logical sentence. You know, cohesive mm-hmm. thought. So it was a manual that was, you know. That if you don't show someone a game, if you're not there and you don't show them the game, reading it doesn't help you oh God. Yeah. figure it out. Right. So they were flying blind pretty much, yeah. but they, they had some success. Then another guy approached me okay. and wanted to franchise everything. Yeah, who's this? This was... A guy, guy came in and yeah. said, I said, are you serious? Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm as serious as a boil. And I had this gut feeling of, oh, geez, <laughs> no, I, this is not. But I didn't follow my instinct. <laughs> no. I didn't follow it. And he was rich Yeah. and put all kinds of money into it and was ready to f- franchise everything, which, you know, all the different laws, franchise laws, it's just a complicated thing. But I thought it'd be a great idea. Hmm. You know, then then everybody would have all this money to work with, and, yeah. and but it was very threatening. Mm-hmm. People thought, well, he's you know, I'm not doing that well. He's going to just get rid of me. Yeah. I won't be able to do this anymore. And because of that, four cities left um, the league: okay. Kansas City, Santa Barbara, Green Bay, Austin, <clears throat> and Dallas. Is that five? That was five. Five cities left the league. Yeah. But it, it was more than that. Everybody was freaked out. Okay. And I'll never forget this one this one meeting at one of the championships, and I was going into a meeting, and Pat Walsh said, no, we're having this meeting without you. Like, without you? Do you know who I am? <laughs> I am Richard uh, Chudnow. You can't have a meeting without me. Uh, but they did, and they met, and then it was... Like the league was going to be disbanded, but James Bailey and Jeff Kramer and Pat Walsh and Dave Gaudet of Shore of uh, Shorewood of Chicago sat down with me and we worked out a deal where the managers would now have ownership. Mm-hmm. They'd own fifty percent of the league. Okay, I would no longer run the league. Mm-hmm. But I would get a, I would not a percentage. I would get a fee. Yeah. 
And that worked out that was fine. so well. That was good. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> what an easy I thing to do. I had to do nothing. <laughs> and someone ran, uh, Pat, uh, Pat Short. Yeah. Pat Short ran the league and <laughs> knew how to run things. And yeah. then that grew from there. Okay. That's when it started really to take off. And do you think back to that or now and think this is because I'm on a flight back from Seattle and I dreamed up this idea and now all these cities have it? I don't know. If, I don't. Sometimes I think this is great. Yeah. I mean, this, I'm the luckiest guy in the world that this worked out the way it did because there was so much serendipity. Yeah. So many things happened to make this happen. Yeah. That I almost feel like I didn't do it myself. You know, these these amazing things happen for me. Mm-hmm. People being at comedy sports. I mean, yeah, comedy sports at cults and saying, yeah. "Hey, I'd like to do this," and all these things happen. And and the 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 knowing that yes and works. Yeah. That I just said yes to everything. <laughs> Everything. So you're talking about games before, though. I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. Games like Ford Reverse, Chain Murder Mystery, Six Things, whatever the game is. Yeah. Where do these come from? Did you, Dick Chudnow, invent these? Well, Ford Reverse was invented by a high school team. Okay. The other games Mm -hmm. were developed sometimes in workshops, sometimes by other cities. In every, every tournament or championship, there's a... A new games, a new workshop. games workshop, right. and a lot of the games came from that. Okay, you know, everybody's trying to think of new games all the time, yeah. and most of the games are just spinoffs of other kinds of it. games. So six things is a basically five things, right? Uh, and those uh, any guessing game is based on that mime game. Mm-hmm. And how does Viola Spolin? Is that her name, right? How does she fit in all this? That's her she, name. Yes. Didn't, didn't she write a book on all these games? Yeah. Improv for the theater. Yeah. It's the Bible, right. basically. I'll tell you a story. When I was in L.A., when we after we had started mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried Theater, I said to David David uh, Zucker, who is kind of the you know more of an improv guy, okay. he, he liked doing things, taking risks. And, mm-hmm. So let's call up Viola Spola and see if we can meet with her. Never thinking that that would work. We called her, found where she lived, found her number, called her, said, hey, we'd like to meet you. She said, okay. <laughs> I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, okay. She lived up in the Laurel Hills, Laurel mm-hmm. Canyon, in this little cabin that looked like the witch's cabin in uh, Ansel and Gretel. <laughs> and anyway, we went in there, and she was so nice and had stuffed mushrooms for us. I was a little afraid to eat them. Yeah, a little bit. And we were talking about improv yeah. and the, her book and everything, and it was you know, I couldn't believe I was sitting here with the mother of yeah. improv. And so proudly I said, "Well, you know, we're we're playing one of your games in our show." Oh. And she was had a, a stuffed mushroom in her hand, and she threw it <gasps> on the table, smashed it on the table. A swear word. Okay, she said, "God damn it." <laughs> She said, she said, everybody's using my games and nobody's paying me for it. And I guess what had happened, someone took her games and put it in a file system oh. and and copywrote that oh, no. format. Yes. And she was pissed. Yeah. Uh-oh. She yeah. kicked you out of the house? No, we kind of left. <laughs> we, he said, well, this has been nice. Thank great. you. So, it was really nice talking to you. Oh, bye. Um 
Yeah, uh, that that was interesting to me. And I the story about uh, no, no, but or no, just no. Yeah. Uh, in Madison, when we after we started, I went to the Ark. Remember the Ark? No. The Ark was the only improv theater in town. They did long form improv. Okay. And I thought it'd be a great idea to get together and do a show together. Yeah. And get publicity. And they said no. Well, I took Jeff Kramer with me yeah. and I think Pat Short, and we went to her house and found out where she lived, the director of, of the, the Ark, <clears throat> and said to her, hey, uh, you know, we're from Comedy Sports, and she didn't invite us in. And said, you know, I've got a great idea that we do something together and get all this publicity yeah. for both of us. And she said, no. I, but but it'd be really a good publicity thing because you're known and you know we're just starting, no. But you see, if we, I just kept on going and she said, no, we don't do that sort of thing. Oh. We don't do that sort of thing. And they didn't. (laughs) But the next week there was an article in the Wisconsin Journal, I think it was, that they interviewed the Ark. Yeah. And in this article, they asked him about improv and asked him about Kentucky uh, Kentucky Fried Theater. Yeah. And... They said in the article, "Well, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah. They they have these gimmicks where they have a brown bag file where they brown bag people for saying something dirty. They have this thing called a groaner file. Then you know if they say a groaner, they have to apologize, and that's not improv. And that weekend we were sold out. Because <laughs> she talked you up in pe- the article. People, people read that. And so wow, this sounds really it's interesting. a nice family show. Yeah." <laughs> Sounds great. Well, when I think of you on stage, I think of marshmallows. You always combined games with the marshmallow yeah. game. What's your favorite game? Not marshmallows. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. I, 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 marshmallows is a non-fail game. Yeah. It couldn't fail. And that's the game where you, you stick a marshmallow in your mouth every time you make the audience laugh. Right. And so the more marshmallows you have, the more they laugh. And I like... Non-fail games mm-hmm. because they're the most entertaining. Sure, because they don't fail. Yeah, forward reverse is I a non-fail game. game. It's my favorite. I I used to like to do the dubbing for dubbing, multiple dubbing. Okay, that's where you, it, to me it's like forward reverse because you screw up all the time, right? And the audience loves oh, screw sure. ups when you don't mind screwing yeah. up. Yeah. And I think that became my favorite game, although I love forward reverse. Mm-hmm. Any, any game, Dr. Know-it-all, is a, it should be a non-fail game, you know, games like that. I like scene work. Yeah. And I, I love improv, but you're doing a show. Right. You got to remember the audience. And you're doing a show for an audience. Yeah. You're not doing like theater sports. You're not doing it for yourself. Right. So why not play games that are non-fail? Yeah, that the audience is going to love. And they appreciate good improv. Mm-hmm. And they appreciate the fact that it's short. <laughs> well, you've combined both, though. You take some of the shtick, the non-failing things, with improv. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it's That's all improv. Cre- yeah. yeah. But I mean, but it, but it requires acting. You need to be a good actor yeah. in the show. You need to have other school skills besides improv. Mm-hmm. So if you play a game like 185. Yeah. And you use something that's been used in other shows, mm-hmm. you have to make it look like the first time. Right. You and that's act an like, acting skill. Sure. Definitely. 
Definitely. That's important. And like you said, it's for the audience. Sometimes going yeah. back, playing with some workshoppers or newer players, yeah. they really just desperately want to win at sideline debate. They just want to get the words. And we try to say, no, no. Well, you try to get the, you want to win, but you don't care if you yeah, lose. Yeah, but you don't care if you lose. Like, it's about right. entertaining the audience. Yeah. The audience and, doesn't like to see people who are, feel bad about losing. Yeah. Yeah. And you've never lost sight of that. I think no, that's great. No. It's all about getting that audience to enjoy themselves and laugh. Yeah, it's an experience. That's what I always thought, that it was not just the show, but you come in, you're greeted by somebody you, yeah. that that is fun. You're, uh, you, there's a ballet parker. Ballet parker. And, and so you're, you're entertained from the minute you get into in there to the minute you leave. Right. And it's a, an experience. I remember going to um, Blue Man Group. Oh, Did you ever I've see ne- that? No, I've always wanted to go. They're hysterical. Yeah. And... The lobby, when I walked in the lobby, it yeah. is just pure entertainment. They're running around. There's there's things hanging everywhere. <laughs> they had a tube that if you spoke into it, went to the dressing room and someone would speak back to you. In the dressing it's room? It's just all this amazing things to look at. So it was a whole experience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a show. Right. It's interactive. Yeah. Yeah. So how has improv changed your life? It's been a part of your life longer than... Um, Since 1972, <laughs> when I was just born. But, right. <laughs> just, just, just a couple that, years older that, than I am. That, that, being born was really improv. That, that was improv that was just, at, yeah, at its yes best. Yes, and is all and you can say at that point. I remember coming out. <laughs> I, I remember coming out into the world. I remember, and wow. I mean, it's a silly question to ask you. It's been a part of your life, your whole life. It was, a, it was a religion. When I first figured it out, when I did the first time I ever did an improv scene and didn't think, yeah, that was a revelation. You don't have to think. Right. You don't have to work at this. You yeah. don't have to memorize lines. Memorize lines, You just go yeah. up and you just react to anything mm-hmm. someone says. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew from then that's all. I, that's really what I wanted to do. And it's a yes and thing, so you bring that over into your life. And it helps any situation. For sure. I use it in the classroom all the time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's good. (laughs) Yes. And I agree with you. You see, big brother. Yes. (laughs) And do what I say. Mm, That was big brother's voice. Yes. Do what I... Okay. Mm. Sorry. Do you have a favorite comedy sports memory? I wonder what that sounds like. Um, so, mm, I don't know whether it be there's, there's so your many new there's place so many or... great great incredible memories that it's hard to to put you know take one like what's your favorite movie what's your favorite song it's hard to do yeah. one favorite thing I mean some of the favorite things that happen through comedy sports the marriages I mean your marriage to Dave and the mm-hmm. kids I mean yeah. that's an amazing thing to me that that's that's yeah without you there would be a lot fewer marriages and children in the world. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to say <laughs> well and, and that, that the fact that that people get to learn improv and learn yes and and yeah. i think it i think that it's a good thing in the world for sure that's my favorite thing yeah that if you like i 
you know, when you're on your deathbed, you know that. When you remember that. I haven't been there yet. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> you just don't remember it. Okay. Uh, that you you you're you're thinking. Oh, I wish I would have. Mm. I I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have. That's that's a horrible horrible thought. Mm. And I know that when if I die, if yeah, and I still can think, mm -hmm. I would be think I did. I'm happy. Oh, I love I'm that. happy with my my yeah. life. I love that. Yeah. That was a brilliant thing to say. That would be fabulous. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. So what are you most proud of then, Dick? You. <laughs> I'm most proud of you. Thanks. You're like another dad to me. <laughs> <laughs> I am proud of you. You are? Yeah. Go on. I really am. What? Why? Stop. Because you're, you're talented. You have this great family. Oh, These great kids. They're adorable. Yeah. And you brought something good into the world. Oh, that's a nice way to put it. I've always been more of a half-empty kind of gal. Until oh. I turned 40, which is a couple of years ago. And then I tried to be more half-full and more positive. Uh -huh. And it, it's it's hard for someone who's been negative for a yeah. lot of her life. Although people never would know that about me because I'm like a spaz and crazy and I'll perform at comedy yeah. sports and I'm a teacher and the kids think I'm goofy. and yeah. But it's... Uh, you don't really know anybody. No, no, you don't. No. So what would people... Be surprised to learn about you. I have the same anxiety. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, what am I doing? Should I be doing something? Because I don't do comedy, I don't do comedy sports anymore. Pretty right, much. you've retired from comedy yeah. sports. So I have a lot of anxiety about that. Well, you still come around. I still come around and still have fun doing, you know, coming around. I helped ref the show, and that was fun. I heard about that. When's the last time you performed? That time. That's before that. Oh. <sighs> been a while probably at a tournament okay. championship yeah. yeah but you know refing is performing and i refed a <laughs> i refed a match at the comedy sports tournament or championship and they put me on at three o'clock because they knew that if i was at 7 30 they'd never get to the 10 30 show <laughs> and i did have a, quite a long show a long show yeah it was really long and it was fun. Mm -hmm. But you're fun to watch. I am, you aren't I? You are. You're at ease. You make the crowd feel good and happy. Well, Dick. Is that an hour? That's about an hour, isn't it? I think we're over. You've been incredible. Without you, there'd be a whole lot less smiling going on in the See, world. See, but I knew I'd, I, after this, I would go, oh, what? I forgot that story. Tell that me another story. To... We can edit. Um, a story... Uh, I asked you, what are you most proud of? And you said me. Is that why you wanted me to ask you that? You're adorable. No. Did I ask you? You said, hey, don't forget, what are you most proud of? I wrote it down. Oh. Oh, because you're going to write that comedy sports history. Should we talk about that? Oh. What are you uh, most proud of, Dick? Let's see. Uh, let me think. Let me think. I think. Uh, is it? I'm ashamed of almost everything I've ever done. You're what? What? You're what? Did you just say? <laughs> I am most proud of <laughs> just being alive. That's a good thing. I just, I think that I'm ha I have fun a lot. I, I and, and being with people is, I just chose the right thing to do. And I, I think the most, the pro okay, I got it. Okay. Greeting people when they come in. At the show. At the show. Greeting every single person when they come into the show. Yes. 
and making them smile. So you have someone coming in, you have a, a guy with his girlfriend that right. you just see that they don't want to be there <laughs> and they have to. And making that person smile and feel like, oh, this could be okay yeah. is is the most, yeah, that makes me proudest. That's great. Shtick. Shtick. Love shtick. You love I it. I love it. There's nothing wrong with it. Who said there was? Not me. My first improv teacher. That bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Dick, thanks so much for coming in tonight. It was a pleasure. I love talking about myself. Well, you should. You're. You should write a book. Oh, yes, I am now writing a history of Milwaukee comedy sports. And I'm trying to get all the information from what you're doing yeah. is is fits into the book perfectly because it can be part of the book. Sure. If you let it be. Sure. I would like a million dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wait, no. What? No. You get nothing. You get a cop's gift card? You get a credit. <laughs> you're funny you're a funny funny person dick thanks for coming in you're okay. the best we'll without you this whole you know comedy sports right. thing wouldn't well, exist it was a pleasure talking to you alright dick chut now ladies and, and gentlemen I'll see you, you guys Kyle it's been nice creator thanks for being here dick originator bye bye original bye everybody podcaster listeners bye <laughs> I'm going now there's chairs in front of the door I can't get out. I gotta go. I have things to do. I have other podcasts. <laughs> the Comedy Sports Podcast is produced and engineered by Kyle Hannigan. Our announcer is PJ Rockwell. Feel free to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Comments and inquiries can be sent to the Comedy Sports Podcast at gmail.com. Created and hosted by me, Christine Rolo Capriolo. Thanks for listening. Comedy Sports Podcast is an independent production made by CSC players. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast host and any guests are their own and do not represent the views and opinions of any CSE location or CSE worldwide. Vocabulary used by the host and guests is not necessarily representative of the CSE brand.